And good morning. It is that time again. Man, this time flies so fast, <laughs> but I guess it does when you're having fun. Uh, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, sitting in this morning on Warp and Wolf Radio, a show sponsored by Comenius Institute here at Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, over at IUPUI, uh, where we weave wisdom and knowledge. Dr. Mark, how are you, my partner? Doing really good, thanks. Looking forward to this uh, discussion today on homelessness, an issue that we should all be interested in. And near and dear to my heart, uh, you know, we have so many people that are just a day away, a paycheck away, Mark. That's right. Um, and when Rick Alvis, our special guest, who is with the Wheeler Mission, comes in today, um, hopefully you will be able to understand how you can maybe help or change your opinion about what you thought about uh, the homeless people in Indiana. That's uh, right. You know, we, uh, it's easy to drive by, not have an opinion, and, and, and look the other way, but it could be you. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. We're going to find out how many great people have had to suffer and deal with homelessness here in Indiana, and we're also going to talk from a spiritual and a knowledge level about uh, what you should think, how you should feel about uh, there it your, is. your, your um, contribution to making sure those who are homeless and without um, what you can do to help. So when we come back, Warp and Wolf Radio, we'll dive right in. This is Comenius Institute, RadioNext.tv and the Cool Blue site. RadioNext.tv on the Cool Blue site. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute-sponsored program where we like to combine wisdom, knowledge, and come straight out of Proverbs on you. Dr. Mark, tell them a little bit about Comenius. Uh, so before we dive into this dialogue, we'll under have people understanding exactly what we do, who we are, and how we do it. Sir. There you go. So Comenius, uh, John Amos Comenius, Moravian pastor, 16th century, uh, was a great educator, actually considered today to be still the father of modern education. Uh, Comenius was uh, somebody who believed in pan-Sophie, which is wisdom throughout the whole earth. And so we are interested in that kind of idea. That is, that wisdom combined with uh, the concepts out of Proverbs, and then, of course, uh, seeing whatever we see in whatever area of life that we're interested in, uh, we see the wisdom that comes through God's world and God's word that way. And so every single week, HB, we are encountering and dealing with all kinds of different ideas here and I just love it every week. Every week. And it gets stronger and it gets better. And what I love more than anything, Mark, is that uh, each week, it's almost kind of like the Bible. You know, when you read it and it starts <laughs> tying itself together yeah. and you're like, wow, I did that. How about kind of makes sense from that book I read, <laughs> you know, just last week. And uh, what we do is try to expose uh, real quality information from the spiritual, um, you know, from uh, Scripture. And then show how it, you know, parlays in real life. And that's, that's right. That's what we're doing. That's Today what it's Today is a very special show. Um, community is, is, you know, really all I'm about. All community all the time, as you know. So we're touching on a subject matter uh, where I've had to witness, had to deal with myself, homelessness. Um, and we're talking about homelessness and the Wheeler Mission today. And Rick Alvis, the president of Wheeler Mission, will be coming in in the second hour. So we encourage you to stay and listen. In the first hour, as you know, we do, we dive in so you can be ready when Rick comes in. That's right. We're, we're already going to have you prepared mentally for understanding uh, from a spiritual realm where you need to think about That's it. homelessness. And uh, as we do, we always start in Proverbs, you know, the, the way to live, the rules to live by. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess the first question, and, and should be the first question on all of our minds, we're the superpower. We're the number one country in the world. Yep. We have more economic uh, security than any other country in the world. So the, the first question, Dr. Mark, since we're the <laughs> richest nation in the world, why do we have so many homeless people 
in this country. Man, I tell you, you know, both of us know HB. Uh, just because other people are rich doesn't mean you and I will be. <laughs> now that you went deep on a guy. Let me just say that again. Just because other people are rich doesn't mean you and I will be. A rich nation will have its share of poor folk. And the question is, what will the church do? Now, look, there's multiple reasons why there are homeless people in a rich country. Uh, we could talk about events beyond people's control. Let's say, for instance, businesses move out of state or out of a city. We could talk about uh, what happens during a divorce when you divide monies. We could talk about poor money management. And by the way, this happens to even NFL football players. But frankly, I think that the biggest issue and the one that's constantly uh, emphasized is the issue of joblessness. And I think that's really where we're coming from, uh, our biggest concern. So uh, just uh, recently, this last week, Wish TV did a great uh, overview of this. And I'd like to play a couple minutes of this from Wish TV. Uh, listen closely here to the audio as we deal with this. This is a television report on homelessness that uh, has jumped 10% over the last year in Indianapolis. Fighting homelessness say Indy needs that money now more than ever. Everybody all right? Yes, sir. At the Wheeler Mission Homeless Shelter, Thanks, sir. Robert Tossage helps however he can. Thank you, sir. He's giving back because for five years the shelter's given him food, housing, and guidance. Tossage has been homeless off and on since 2012. You gotta you know, read the Bible, you know, gotta believe, you know, gotta believe there's, you know, somebody out there is gonna want you to work for them. He's one of about 1,787 homeless people in Indianapolis, according to the 2017 count from CHIP. Every year, the local nonprofit visits bridges, camps, and shelters for one day in January to tally the homeless population on that day. Okay, so HB, you heard him say 1,787. That was the count in January. And uh, when we're talking about homelessness, this is a huge problem uh, for a small, big city like Indianapolis is uh, certainly something that we need to be dealing with in our program like this. You know, Mark, and, uh, when, when they mention that number, and I always like to mention this to people, when we start talking about numbers where people have to expose their uh, fragility, yes, we're getting probably about 60%, 70% accuracy from those people who really are versus those ones who say they are. That's a good and reminder. That's, that's just a good reminder. And so we have to we have to keep that in mind pretty much in everything that we talk about from mental health to drug addiction mm. to homelessness. Um, you know, people are people are afraid to reveal that's uh, right. themselves and the fragile nature that they might be living in. And so when we hear those atrocious numbers, we mm. have, man, it's more than that. That's right. It's more than that. So Proverbs always speaks to the problem of homelessness by uh, talking about care for the poor. Um, please explain some of those scriptures and, sure. and, and where we get that, that material from. Yeah, so uh, there's a direct link between financial concerns, poverty, and homelessness. So when you talk about money, 
uh, you need to talk also about the issue of the poor and those who don't have a place to live. So one of the things that, uh, as I read some of these passages from Proverbs, uh, listen to these kinds of concepts here. Uh, there are both the connections and the consequences for the poor person who sees and meets the needs of the poor. So we, let's just let me just pause here and say, we already know there are poor people. What we need to do is we need to recognize that there are poor people. We need, <laughs> we need to see that there are poor so people. We know we have a problem. We have a problem. But can we recognize we have a problem? That's just it, see, because sometimes we don't, even, we don't even go up to the mirror to look in our face mm. and see, you know what I'm saying? So I think this is really important. This is the connection and the consequence for the person who sees and meets the needs of the poor. Here it is uh, in terms of God's image. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. That's 1421 of Proverbs. So blessing comes to those who are generous to the poor. Here's another one. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. That's 1431. This insult to his maker, again, remember that all people are made in God's image. And if that's true, then we are literally, when we don't take care of the poor, we are not taking care of the one who made us. The next one, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. That's 1917. So God is interested in seeing us take responsibility for what we have to do, and then down the road, the consequence for that will be that he will take care of us, the repayment for his deed. One more, 2113 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out, and not, not be answered. That's 21.13. So if we close our ear to the cry of the poor, God will close his ear to our cry when our time comes. Look out. Oh, you look out, man, because I'm going to send them to 13.13 in Corinthians as well. I was <laughs> just in that. No, I was just in that yesterday. And it's ironic, you know, was talking about the three things that God loves the most. And, yeah. You know, he loves faith. He loves, uh, you know, love and he loves charity and of those three charity is the, is That's the thing that he you know admires most so um we have to remember man and and, I, and we talk about it all the time right. you know instead of asking what can i have you know think what can i give right um and if we live by that model then the things and the blessing that god has for you will be so so overwhelming mm -hmm. now you just have to stay tough though yeah uh, good 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 message though uh last question of this first segment here at mark how should christians be invested in the problem of homelessness in indianapolis or in any city. Sure. So we have had a number of guests on the show who have committed themselves to helping others in need. Uh, Dennis Abrams, also uh, from Wheeler Mission, has been in. Uh, he uh, specifically helps uh, men uh, at Wheeler and does an awful lot of work in the uh, uh, small town where he lives. Leon Longard and Dawn Adams, Food for Souls, have been in and uh, talk about the kinds of uh, work that they do, uh, giving meals to the homeless in the tent cities around Indianapolis. Notice that I use the word cities, a plural there. There are many different tent cities around Indianapolis. And we've had other folks in who have uh, emphasized their kind of care for the city as well, uh, not the least of which is uh, Jim Striedelmeyer and Neighborhood Fellowship and the good work that they're doing down there, let's say, for instance, on Saturdays for free medical care. But all of that uh, says this to us, that each of us can make a difference in different ways. Now, look, some people are hands-on, okay? That means that they're going to go out and they're going to do. Some people offer a hand up, that is, in terms of giving. So they've got the finance, maybe, to go and give something to somebody that's going to go do the hands-on kind of work. 
Then there are some who commit to hands raised, and by that I mean public policy and government. So you've got folks that are actually invested in, let's see, let's see how we can help in the public policy arena. But on our shows here at Radio Next, we focus on community awareness and getting the message out to any number of groups, nonprofits, individuals, churches who help. Galatians 6 is pretty clear. Look not just to your own needs, but also to the needs of others. And one other uh, I highlight here, I just want to emphasize, uh, HB, is this concept of the church in the public square. And I think it's really important for our uh, listeners out there to, to highlight these kinds of things. We're going to be talking about this uh, Baylor study from Texas, a Texas university that talks about the kinds of things that are going on in cities around the United States. And one of the things that has been coming out of these studies is that faith-based organizations are in a unique position to treat the systemic issues that create homelessness. We'll be talking more about that in the next segment, but also with Rick Alvis as he comes in from Wheeler Mission. All right, man. Great, great information. And we'll, we'll come back and we're going to be talking about current events in life and how um, it, it pertains to the homeless issue going on right now in Indianapolis and across this country. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute sponsored program on Radio Next. Radio Next. TV on the cool site. Get deep in here, Dr. Martin. That is the late, great Al Jarreau, man. I, I found that back in the stash can a couple of days ago. That's a nice to remember greatness. And uh, we are here on Walking with Radio, and we have been talking about the first uh, segment of the first hour about homelessness. And uh, this is a, you know, Mark, it's it's one of those things that's almost uh, taboo to even talk about because mm. so many people are kind of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. People don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's amazing how many people, are, and we talked about earlier, a day away, yes, right. a week away, a pink slip away. Right. Uh, from from being homeless and not only them, but their families and, and people that are depending on them. So, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a domino effect when we start talking about it. Uh, and I guess that leads us right to the current events, life's current events. Uh, give us a general overview of how our culture treat homelessness and homeless people. Sure. I think it'd be fair to say that folks generally respond with this uh, comment. Uh, that's the government's problem. I I want to be really, really clear about this. We are the government, people. Do you remember a guy by the name of Abraham Lincoln saying that the government is by the people and for the people and of the people? I do believe so. Government, and let's, let's make this clear too, government does not have money. Money is in my back pocket right now in my wallet. Tax dollars are government's money. So let me tell you this story. I was teaching an inner city group of uh, young people a few years back, and they had just come from the welfare office. We now call it SNAP. And they were discussing all the different programs, and they were all very excited. We filled a whiteboard with all the good things the government can do. And then I said, I think we're approaching this the wrong way. And I erased the whiteboard, and I drew six concentric circles. And what I did was I put home right in the middle, and then I put church, and then I put community and we went out to the federal government level and the whole point that I was trying to drive home to these Christian young people was that if you start at the government level the federal government level you will never reach the internal concentric circle of the home but if you start with the home you can always go out to the government the federal government money which we are all contributing to in one way or another 
because that is the Christian responsibility. So if you're with us in the first segment, we were talking about the emphasis of what we are responsible for, what we do, and our responsibility as the church is actually to help other people. One of the things that's really important to me is uh, the subject of gleaning, which is from Leviticus chapter 19. And the idea is that God gave landowners the, the benefit of producing from the land that he had given to them. But at the same time, also providing for the poor, Leviticus 19 says that they were supposed to leave all the edges and anything that fell on the ground for the poor people who were going to come in after them and then uh, pick up those things that were left. I think it's really powerful and important for us to remember that, that if we are wrong, we are wrong if we begin with a government. And if we do, we are abdicating our personal and our church responsibility. There you go. <laughs> Sound like you was running for office. <laughs> I don't know if I could vote for you and say, hey, hey. But no, seriously, and I see what you're saying because uh, too many times self-help is the best help. But when you need assistance and help, yeah. then that's you know kind of what agencies are there for. Sure. And I think sometimes people are taking those agencies and using them as their source as of the living. As the sole source. As the way I'm yeah. going to survive yeah. versus saying, if I need a two to three month assistant plan for food stamps or whatever, or right. uh, uh, some housing assistance for that short period of time while I regroup, uh, because you have been an, uh, a taxpayer and you have contributed into. Sure. There uh, are those, those safety nets involved for us, I think, in in the culture, and we don't want to displace that those things. My concern is that we have a tendency to just focus on government instead of our personal absolutely, responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I mention this sometimes, and I get cringes from, you know, some of the people <laughs> I work with because, you know, as, as, as an African-American man, you know, there tends to be a sense of almost entitlement for entitlement. Okay. If that okay. makes any sense. Sure it does. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it annoys me because I said, okay, if someone is going to let you pay um, $12 for your rent, Mm-hmm then I need to make sure property value is is on the up. That's right. I mean, it's on the rise, baby, because the, the paint bucket and the brush that I bought you and the nail and the hammer that I bought you will make sure that this house that we are letting you uh, have subsidized uh, payment on right. is going to still hold some value for the neighborhood and the that's people right. around you that live there. And that's a responsibility of self. That's huge. Uh, you know, huge. And, and, and sometimes we get it really confused with, and you know, like I say, entitlement to the entitlements. And those are lessons I think that we teach, though. Right. Because when you were born into a system like that, mm -hmm. that's what you expect. That's what you know. And, and so, you know, know we, we've got to, I mean, this is a very delicate situation. Uh, but uh, as we mentioned that, We've got homelessness. I mean, it'd be different if Indianapolis was like this place where homelessness was. Yeah. Every city. That's right. In every state. Yep. Every county in every state mm -hmm. has a homeless situation. That's right. So this is systemic, and this is that means that there's something going on here. That's right. Um, what has been the response to homelessness from major cities around the U.S.? Sure. So there was this uh, new uh, Baylor study done, actually. Uh, Rick Alvis was the one who put this in my hands this last week. We sat down in his office and talked about this. And uh, there's a new study out by a Baylor Institute for the Studies of Religion. I'll say that again, the Baylor Institute for the Studies of Religion. And here is the title, uh, the subtitle, I guess I should say, Faith-Based Organizations Shoulder the Majority of Crucial Services and Develop Creative Solutions 
for homelessness. They are the majority uh, <coughs> functioning crucial services and they develop the creative solutions for homelessness. So this, this study was done in 11 sample cities, including the city of Indianapolis. And what was really fascinating about all of this is uh, the, the idea that we found uh, all the way through every single city. And that is, in most cases, I'm quoting now from the study, people become ho homeless due to a range of complex personal and societal factors, not just because they can't f afford a home. Our conclusions demonstrate that faith-based organizations are in a unique position to treat the systemic issues that create homelessness to develop sustainable solutions for both individuals and municipalities, end quote. This is a very powerful report. I highly recommend that you go to baylor.edu and you can find this report uh, under ISR, that is uh, Studies of Religion, the Institute for Studies of Religion, uh, Baylor University, baylor.edu, ISR, check it out. It's a very powerful study, HB. Ooh, that is powerful. And, uh, you know, it's ironic, the last question we have in this second segment, um, you, you, we were talking about government and we are talking about church. Mm -hmm. Both of these are entities where when you really break it down, the people are the church. That's right. And the people are the government. Mm, that's exactly Isn't right. Isn't that right? Both of them. So the last question I'd like to ask you, Dr. Mark Eckel, is what is the difference between how the church and government agencies help the homeless? Yeah. So when I'm talking with inner city leaders, uh, and I do this from time to time, uh, various groups invite me to speak on one issue or, or another, uh, we deal specifically with a biblical theological foundation but then what we want to do, and as I've suggested in the, in the earlier first segment, is that we don't, as Galatians 6 says, depend on just the needs of ourselves, but also the needs of others. And so I'm really uh, focused uh, on the emphasis of nonprofit uh, sharing within a, city, uh, within a city. And I should be quick to add here, this is just kind of a side note, that Indianapolis is the city with the largest number of nonprofits in the nation, which is a fantastic and wonderful idea, but getting all of those folks and uh, highlighting what they do is, is really what we do on this particular show. So what I want to suggest here about this in answer to the question, what's the difference between church and government responsibility? Specifically, the general response is government programs have a responsibility. You just mentioned it, HB. From time to time, we need that, that safety net. But the specific response is from the individual and church programs. I just want to emphasize this point. My PhD is in social science leadership. That means that I'm really interested in studies, in stats, and those kinds of things come through stories. And that's the reason why every single week we bring in somebody brand new to talk about their story, about the kinds of things that are happening in their bailiwick, the things that they're interested in, and helping to hope in Indianapolis. And on that note, we're going to be prepared to come back for the last segment of the first hour before Rick Alvis comes in. Wheeler Mission is our special guest in the house today, and we're talking about homelessness in Indianapolis and Indiana and its country. Um, what is the responsibility of us individually? What is the responsibility of government agencies? What is the responsibility of the church? These are things we're talking about, and we will return right after this musical interlude. You know what you like? That's to right. Dr. Mark, you're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groups. 
RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Mr. Will Downing, fantasy, spending time with you, man. I, you know, and I know you folks out there listening, a whole bunch of us are faith-based Christians and stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't think the Lord could be too mad at that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to be Lord or anything, Dr. Mark. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on Cool Groove Radio at RadioNext.tv. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.V. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 o'clock p.m., uh, hopefully um, instilling some wisdom and knowledge. Um, you know, we, th this is very important, uh, all the dialogue that we have each and every week. And That's we were, right. It's funny, we were talking off air between, um, you know, what is an argument and what is opinion and what is a good conversation. Right. And hopefully somewhere in the middle, um, we're, we're never argumentative, uh, but we are definitely trying to hold a good conversation to uh, expose information that people can, can maybe that's just right. drive down the street and say, hmm, I never thought about that. How about that? that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what we're really trying to do. So, you know, this is a great platform, great forum. Uh, today's topic is, of homelessness is, is one that um, you need to pay attention to because it could be you. Um, as we mentioned earlier, this, uh, right now the economy is fragile. Um, and, and most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. And uh, all you have to have is a uh, broken leg with no insurance. Mm -hmm. All you have to have is a car accident and your insurance bill was a little late. You know, anything can tip it over That's right. um, to make your situation um, uh, in vain. So uh, this last segment, Mark, you know, and we're right. always trying to talk about the Christian community and how they can be engaged in the topics that we talk about. So hospitality is one of the key characteristics of leaders in the church. How can we do this better? Oh, man, I'm telling you, this is a big deal. Uh, last week, uh, one of our Comenius students, uh, Josette, she's from Haiti, announced that her dad wants to come to the United States for the very first time. He's going to see her graduate uh, with her master's, you know, from IUPUI, and, and she's all excited. But she said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have a place to stay. She said in order for him to come, he's got to have So the visa requirement is... Uh, does he have a place while he's here so, you know, he's not on the street or whatever, you know, government agencies might be considering? And uh, she said, you know, I just don't have anybody. And uh, she, she said, uh, so what am I going to do? And I said, well, Robin and I will take him. Why, don't, why, why doesn't your dad just stay with us? <laughs> I said, do you mind him, you know, staying in Fishers for a few days? She said, no, no, that'd be great. Now, look, this is not a pat on, on Mark's back issue here. It's just a personal story to say, look, if I've got room and opportunity to benefit somebody else, we should do it. I remember uh, Neil Cox, uh, who brought Mama in. You remember Mama from Unleavened mm. Bread Cafe? She was in uh, a couple months ago. And one of the things that Neil emphasized to me was out of the 15 characteristics of an elder in 1 P in Timothy chapter 3, that we hardly ever hear about hospitality. Now, hospitality uh, is literally built on the word stranger. It's In Greek, it's called xenos. So we get our, our idea of xenophobia from this, so our fear of the stranger. Well, the biblical uh, focus of this for the elder and anybody else in the church is love of the stranger, philozenia. Philozenia means that we actually care about and love people. In fact, so much so that this is tied into the culture, the Greek culture of the day, where Paul is writing these things to the elders, and he's saying this, the Greeks of the day believed 
that you might entertain a God unaware. Now, this sounds vaguely like Hebrews 13. You remember oh, uh, yeah. entertaining angels, angels unaware? Yeah. You and I talk about this. All the time. So the idea of loving strangers, the love of strangers, philozenia, is a very important concept here for us. And who most important to do this? The elders, the leaders in a church should open up their homes and be hospitable. Boy, Hold on, I need to give everybody about five seconds to digest all those zinnias. And, and, no, but seriously, it was ironic yesterday. I was up at the Indiana High School uh, State Athletic Association building, and, and you know I'm a real gregarious yeah. guy. And when I walked in, uh, the gentleman at the desk they, uh, came in robust. Good morning. Oh, you know, absolutely wonderful. So by the time I'm going to the conference room where we were meeting, <laughs> young lady was in there today. She said, do you know what? You made my day the way I heard you come in. Before. <laughs> that's great. I said, well, that's what I do. That's what you do. <laughs> but, that's but, who but, you, but are. you know, xenophobia. Yeah. Huh. How about that? Get out of here. That's right. I'm telling you, I'm going to go out and use that today that's to right. impress somebody. <laughs> what are some of the problems homeless folk uh, sometimes have? Uh, which individuals cannot meet, Mark? I mean, you know, we can try our best to be hospitable and do the things that we can do. Uh, but what are, what are they dealing with sometimes? We just cannot yeah. help them with. Right. So uh, there's a study that uh, was just done actually on how poverty impacts the brain. Uh, this is uh, from the Atlantic uh, Monthly, the Atlantic, Atlantic Magazine. I'd like to quote here from this. This is a really powerful uh, statement uh, if anybody wants uh, to uh, get a sense of what it, this is, uh, shoot me a message on Facebook or uh, shoot me an email message at echo1957 at gmail. This is how poverty impacts the brain. Quote, research suggests the limbic system, okay, this is within the uh, nervous system of the human being, is constantly sending fear and stress messages to the prefrontal cortex. This is getting a little heavy, but hang in there with me which overloads its ability to solve problems, set goals, and complete tasks. This happens to everybody at some point, regardless of the class that you're in. But the overload can be prompted by any number of things, stressful day at work, family emergency, whatever. But people in poverty, however, I'm still quoting, have the added burden of ever-present stress. They're constantly struggling to make ends meet, often bracing themselves against class bias that adds extra strain or trauma to their daily lives. The science is clear. When the brain capacity is used up on worries and fears, there simply isn't as much bandwidth for other things, end quote. This is a very powerful and important study coming to us from the Atlantic Mag Magazine. So I want to just say a couple of things here in, in response to the question, can I interact with people's brains? Uh, can I do brain studies on people? No. But what can I do to help eliminate the worries? Number one, we talk about this, HBU and I, all the time. Number one is housing, right? Absolutely. Number two, jobs. Yes. Number three, food. We need to be able to give people food and not have food deserts. But I'm going to say, as we always say on this program, it is the internal change beginning with the salvation of Jesus that is ultimately the most powerful transcending hope that anybody can have. And that's the mind-changing element. That that's is, right. That is changing the way you think. Um, getting, to your, getting to your part. Yeah. What kind of movies about yep. homelessness can be a powerful tool to move people to action? And uh, name a few of them, and who, what would you recommend? Sure. So let me suggest 
Uh, one of the first times I remember seeing a homeless person on screen was uh, an older movie, 1991, called Grand Canyon. There's a recurrent scene where a homeless man actually instructs a woman about taking care of a child who's been dumped in some bushes. It's a very fascinating. Uh, if you can catch Grand Canyon, I think it's uh, free on Netflix or Amazon Prime, whichever. Uh, but it really has some uh, great statements in there about homelessness. Then there are some uh, movies and documentaries. I'll mention a few. Homeless, just that title, Homeless, actually rates 8.5 on IMDb. That's the International Movie Database. And uh, 8.5 is uh, in the stratosphere as far as uh, moviegoers are concerned. Anything like in the sevens or eights, boy, you can count on it being a good film. And this movie, Homeless, is about a young man, 18 years of age, who navigates shelters after the death of his grandmother who's been caring for him. Another one is Homeless. This is spelled differently, H-O-M-M-E, and then the separate word, less. And it's actually a documentary on the underbelly of the American dream. Then there's another movie called Homeless at Harvard. This sounds really weird, frankly, if you haven't seen this. But once you do, you'll appreciate it. Homeless at Harvard is actually a story of a, of a woman whose name was Liz Murray. And uh, she was somebody who was caught in the, between of the switches and uh, literally found herself living on the streets at Harvard University. So the soloist, Jamie Foxx, we could talk about the problem of homelessness as it relates to mental disabilities and differences and the struggle that Jamie Foxx so well portrays on screen, the soloist. But one last one I'd like to highlight just before our break, and that is from uh, a movie that a lot of folks, especially in the faith-based community, like to talk about, and that's the movie The Blind Side. And what we generally remember about The Blind Side is that uh, here's this guy who becomes an NFL football player who's taken in by Christian folk. All of that is true. But guess what? He was homeless before he was taken in. He was living out of his car. And so I would highlight from the streets to the NFL is actually a really powerful story here uh, when we talk about uh, somebody like... Um, uh, Michael, who has actually done this really powerful story, one that needs to be seen once again, The Blind Side. Those are just a few, HB, that kind of come to my mind. Uh, Michael Orr uh, certainly is one of those uh, folks that uh, kind of sets the stage for us with Rick Alvis coming in the second hour. You know, and I always hate to kind of dive in and pad on top, but I just think that uh, In Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith was one of the most powerful movies. Absolutely. Uh, uh, from a homeless standpoint, sure. and especially watching him have to deal with real-life situations like uh, taking care of a, a That's son. Right. You know, and, and so when we start talking about movies like this, but one common thread, perseverance perseverance coming and, and and making sure that you don't quit mm -hmm. and the bible says that how many times just a not few. faint just a few. not faint yeah. we're going to come back and we're going to meet mr rick alvis someone who is making sure uh that the homeless issue in indianapolis and indiana is being taken care of and adhered to and addressed and uh, we're going to meet him and find out what they're doing at the wheeler mission you are listening to warp and wolf radio on the cool booth <laughs> You're listening to Radio Next TV on the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio. You come to, we come to you. We come to you every Wednesday from ten till uh, noontime. Uh, Rick, Elvis, and I are already <laughs> laughing about a few things here in studio, and we're really grateful to uh, welcome our listeners to the show. Rick, Elvis, President of Wheeler Mission here in Indianapolis, Indiana, doing good in the neighborhood. Uh, Rick, welcome to the show. We want to. We want you to tell us about yourself, your family, your life experiences, church, and general work in Indianapolis. Take it away. 
Well, thank you, Mark. It's, uh, I don't know where you start, quite honestly, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be here today. It's good to be in the city of Indianapolis. It's, it's great to be a child of God and, mm-hmm. and uh, to be in ministry and uh, to see people's lives changed. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, my course uh, years and years ago was uh, I never, you know, so often you talk to people in ministry, perhaps, you know, you, you ask, uh, is this where you thought you'd be today? Right. And uh, what's the answer you most generally get? It's uh, not really, uh, you know, some people do. Yeah. But I'm one of those guys that don't. You know, it's uh, like uh, I never expect to be here, Uh, you know, especially in a mission as Wheeler, Mm -hmm. uh, because that was not how I was brought up. I was brought up in a little country church in in central Ohio, and we had a a, a definite uh, kind of slur to our speech. Even my college professor wanted to know where I learned my English <laughs> as a freshman, and I, and I smart mouthed her, and I said, "In the hills of Ohio." Oh no! Uh, and uh, and I put uh, Ohio, not oh. Ohio, and uh, she didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> but I was raised in a little country church and came to Christ when I was about fourteen years old. And um, my desire, really, back in those days, was to create a business and uh, you know stay around. Uh, uh, Central Ohio and uh, do my thing and uh, it was back in the beginning of cable uh, TV mm-hmm. antennas and uh, I, I've told my wife several times I've reminded her and of course she reminds me of other things I said uh, uh, if I would have stayed on that route I'd be a, a multimillionaire today because it was on the ground level of oh, yeah. cable yeah. I mean on the very ground level and of course she reminds me if that would have happened I would have never met her Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> There's a slap for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, anyhow, but that's when God began working in my heart about uh, I'd going out on uh, actually with Teen Missions International. I don't know if mm. you've heard of Teen Missions out of Florida. Yeah. And uh, uh, the founder and director, President Bob Bland, is a d- dear, dear friend of mine. Mm has been for you know many many years even before as I was a teenager as well and uh, he asked if I would join the staff of Teen Missions in Florida and I was only probably about uh, 19 20 years old at the time and uh, I thought why not sure you know and so uh, I went down there and uh, was on staff for about three years and that's where I met my wife Mm. and it's it was there where God began to work in my heart about missions Mm. Um, because I was raised in a little country church that didn't think about missions it was all about the little country church yeah Uh, and so uh, I um, uh, didn't really have a uh, I wasn't mission-minded at all Mm. it was you know missions was something foreign I mean Mm -hmm. totally foreign and so when I after I joined uh, teen missions and started seeing the world you might say Mm -hmm. uh, South America and seeing you know third cultures Right. Um, God began to open my mm-hmm. eyes, and uh, that's when uh, uh, we started praying and saying, you know, God, uh, do you want us to go into college? And because I didn't really think I was college material, so uh, we did, and uh, we went to college. And uh, my wife and I got married after my freshman year uh, at Fort Wayne Bible College. There you go, which is now defunct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, I thought I'd go there for a year and they could teach me everything they possibly could in a year. Then I'd go back to the mission field. Mm. Well, after I got there and was there for a year, I thought, you know, 
this isn't too bad. Mm -hmm. I kind of like this. Hmm. And so I stayed a second year and a third year <laughs> and a fourth year, you know, <laughs> and uh, finally graduated, nice. you know. And uh, so God really opened up my eyes. Hmm. Uh, and it was actually during my senior year of college that I got uh, involved with a rescue mission. Hmm. And it was in Evansville, Indiana. And I, uh, my, uh, one of my profs said they're looking for uh, somebody down there to direct their ca uh, camp. And my minor is in uh, Christian camping. Nice. So I thought, hey, this kind of folds right into wh wh what my goals are, you know. And went down to uh, Evansville. And um, lo and behold, I thought I'd be there maybe a couple years just mm -hmm. to take a break from college. Ended up being there for 13 years and ended up being the executive director of the Evansville Rescue Mission mm -hmm. from um, about 82 to 81 to 90. And then in 90, um, we moved up here and uh, joined Wheeler Mission Ministries. Nice. That's great. What a great journey that is for you. You're uh, moved from one place to the next, but I'm especially caught by the fact that you wouldn't have met your wife if you had gone the other direction. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not have met her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful uh, a story for us to hear about. Your connection specifically to Wheeler Mission. Now, let's talk a little bit about just generally speaking about Wheeler Mission and what Me Wheeler Mission does in the community. Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, Wheeler's, uh, we, we usually joke that Wheeler's as old as dirt because <laughs> uh, we're actually celebrating 125 years next year. Oh, congratulations. And uh, thank you. And I, I look pretty good for 125, don't I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, it started out as a women's ministry. Hmm. Just to give you a, you know, a 37,000 foot sure. shot at this. Yeah. Started out as a women's ministry as the door of hope. Hmm. basically working with m women coming out of jail. Okay. And then sometime uh, during the next uh, several years, it got involved in community ministry. It got involved in more evangelistic type uh, hmm. outreaches. You know, hmm. um, they'd rent a, a the tabernacle downtown uh, and, uh, you know, just preach the gospel for weeks. Yeah. And so it kind of got to be a gospel association, actually. Hmm. And then in the 30s, during the Great Depression, is when they started taking a lot of men in. Hmm. And since the Depression, you know, when you think of Wheeler so often, uh, people in the community, they think of homeless men. Okay. And it's kind of, we've kind of carried that, you know, that luggage all these years. Hmm. And, of course, even though we started as a women's ministry, it changed to men. And then um, back in 2000, uh, we had a uh, women's ministry uh, shelter merge with us. Mm. So we felt like we were getting back to our roots mm. in a way. Nice. Uh, and I'd always go to meetings and speak at churches or, you know, civic groups. And they say, well, what are you doing for women, you know, before this time? Mm -hmm. And I was well, nothing, you know. Uh. <laughs> and so I kind of got convicted about that, okay. too. All right. But, you know, well, we merged, uh, um, a, a women's ministry merged with us, which is thriving today. Mm. And um, uh, basically, when people think of Wheeler today, I, I think they usually think of the homeless uh, folks in Indianapolis mm. and uh, uh, the addicted, mm. uh, because there's a, a high level of addiction, uh, you know, both to alcohol and drugs that uh, you know that we work with on a, on a daily basis right so our whole program today is really focused on this uh, concern for homelessness obviously this is not simply just something that happens in Indianapolis but around the United States are you invested or involved with other 
uh, Wheeler mission types around the U.S.? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, there's an association called the Associ Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. Uh, and uh, actually, I used to be the president of it for six years. Uh, as my role here, it was a volunteer. You know, it wasn't okay. a paid position, but okay. uh, it was like being the chairman of the board, you okay. know. And so I was um, very heavily involved in that. For a matter of fact, I was on their board for 17 years. And there's about 300 other missions uh, similar to Wheeler that's a member of the association. How many missions? 300. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, if you're somewhere in the other part of the country listening to this radio station, mm -hmm. uh, I would suggest if you're wanting to find a rescue mission you know, close to you, just, you know, uh, type in the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions or agrm.org, mm -hmm. uh, right. and you can find uh, where there might be a mission uh, located in your vicinity that yeah. you could volunteer with or help with somehow. Mm -hmm. That's really great. This is very good information. Uh, once again, this is the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. I just brought it up on my screen. agrm.org. Check it out. Those of you who are not living in Indianapolis, uh, you can check out those uh, opportunities in other cities. But obviously for us in Indianapolis, we're focused on Wheeler Mission because that's where we are. We are going to come right back with Rick Elvis as he explains some of the, the issues surrounding the concerns about homelessness in Indianapolis. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio, every Wednesday from 10 till noon. We'll be right back. We are back. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are interested in applying biblical wisdom to all areas of life. This particular Wednesday, we are focused on the issue of poverty, the poor, and specifically homelessness. What does Proverbs have to say about that? If you missed our first hour, uh, catch the podcast when it comes out. Find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, all kinds of place, uh, places, or you can go to CominiusInstitute.org and check out all of our past podcasts. But today we are just privileged and pleased that we have in studio with us Mr. Rick Elvis, who is president of Wheeler Mission, uh, one of those great Christian uh, outreach charities here in Indianapolis that offers sustenance and stability for the homeless. Rick, uh, thanks again for your first uh, hour here in the first segment, but I wanted to move ahead to some other questions here that deal with Wheeler Mission as a whole, and I wanted specifically to start with this question, how your view of God influences how you serve folks at Wheeler Mission? So what is your view of God, and how does that influence how you serve? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I certainly think that, uh, you know, God has uh, such a, a, a compassion for the folks that we deal with, and, and I want to be able to relay that same compassion to the folks that you know we we minister to every day um and uh, so you know my my view of god and how he views me i'm sure it's two different things you know <laughs> um but uh you know there's such a uh, you know we know that god loves us he has a compassionate heart for us mm. uh as as we do him and worship him as well um, but, you know, I want to be able to communicate to those, and we try to stress that with all of our staff, you know, uh, that uh, we want them to be God's hands mm -hmm. reaching out to the folks. Because mm -hmm. they may not know, uh, uh, you know, God. I mean, a lot of the people that we've ministered to have uh, never, you know, experienced uh, God's love ever mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, our desire is just to, to, to serve him in whatever we matter we can. 
but yet it's got to be internalized in us mm-hmm. in order for us. I mean, we just can't go out and minister to people if, if the love of Christ is not in That's us. That's right. Yep. And so we've got to embrace it. We've got to chew on it. We've got to digest it. Mm. Um, and uh, that way we can communicate mm. to, to those who come to us uh, or as we go out on the streets and talk sometimes mm-hmm. to people. So some of our staff does that as well. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, God has to permeate our lives mm. totally mm. in order to really minister, you know, properly to folks who come to us. Mm. We've had uh, Dennis Abrams on the show here oh, before. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, Dennis was here. And uh, certainly if there's anybody who magnifies the compassion of Christ, it's Dennis. You know, certainly that's coming through in the men's ministry, certainly for you guys. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Dennis is a great asset to us. If there's, uh, there, there are other folks that I think of, you know, Kathy, your secretary, for instance, your administrative yeah. assistant, right. perhaps. And, you know, today's an administrative assistant day. Please, go it, ahead. It really is. Yeah. So and give so her a ca- shout Kathy, out. Kathy, I don't know if you're listening, <laughs> but I appreciate you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and even uh, when I walked into your building last week, um, the lady that uh, introduced herself at the desk. Megan. Megan? Mm-hmm. Okay, Megan. Megan, thanks for uh, even your kindness and your generosity. I, so I've met three people now, four with you, of course, uh, at Wheeler, and uh, certainly this kind of emphasis on compassion permeates the staff, which is really powerful and, and something that you want to perceive, certainly, in, in all of the folks that work with you. Um, how does So let me ask this question, kind of a little divergent here, but uh, how does the issue of compassion relate to... Uh, how you talk to people in the city about the needs of the homeless. You know, do you speak to city leaders and other nonprofits and other folks uh, on the topic of compassion? It kind of interests me just off the top of my head here. We, we certainly try to uh, uh, connect with our city leaders um, and, and talk to them about compassion because, you know, um, our city uh, does not have any uh, types of municipal shelters. Mm-hmm in the city so we are it you are it and so you know our call is to minister to Mm. those folks and so you know from the mayor to the chief of police uh to the center township trustee Mm. to whoever we try to communicate that compassion and the fact that we have a message too and it's not just about sheltering people it's not just about feeding people but it's actually about expressing the love of christ Mm. to people and we are not bashful about how we do that as well and and that's one of the the advantages of wheeler is that we can do that we can express that compassion uh unashamedly Mm -hmm. uh because we don't have any restrictions Mm -hmm. uh you you know we don't uh, receive any government funding uh, whatsoever Mm -hmm. so we don't have to curtail Mm -hmm. our message for anybody Mm -hmm. And so uh, we talked a little bit about this in the first hour. We talked about the connection between government and church and then the need, of course, for the church and persons within the church to take upon themselves a responsibility of this. So if we could just for a moment uh, discuss that issue of what do you see as difficult from uh, your perspective as a nonprofit leader uh, in terms of taking government funds, the positives and the negatives of what that might look like? Yeah, you know, and boy, we've struggled with this, you know, uh, through the years. Because, you know, our budget could probably be twice as big as it is right now Mm -hmm. if we would have decided to have taken government money. 
because we were invited to the table back in the George Bush days. Okay. Uh, we were invited to the table. And we looked at it very seriously. We actually hired a firm in Washington, D.C. to look at what it would look like okay. and how we could do it. And we felt like we could probably have done, we could have probably done twice as much outreach and uh, to the, the population that we target, but we would have been curtailed with the gospel. Mm. So do we want to grow suddenly and have no Christian influence, mm -hmm. or do we want to maintain not our smallness, but our our our, our smaller agenda or, sure. or or smaller budget, and be able to have freely share the gospel of Christ because we know the gospel is what changes the lives. That's right. If we put some men around this table, men and women who have been through our addiction recovery program, and let them have the microphone, they they will tell you. Mm -hmm how blessed they've been because they've heard about Jesus mm. in a mission like Wheeler mm. where we could freely share it. Whereas with the government, with, you know, funds, boy, there's restrictions there, uh, you know, there's all kinds of entanglements. Mm. I wonder as I'm sitting here listening to your good words about this, I, I, I wonder out loud to myself um, if the funding that you might have had, maybe double as you suggest of what you might have had, um, if, if that's not even tripled or quadrupled or magnified in many more uh, 10 to the 10 power kind of thing uh, by the volunteers that you have mm. uh, in and around Wheeler. Talk about the volunteers. Oh, I, I mean, we have uh, over 9,100 volunteers. Oh, say that again. 9,100. Oh, my word. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, and uh, uh, the reason I know these figures is we just did a, a survey, responded to a survey for Indiana, uh, Indiana University just last week. Hmm. So uh, I think it was 9,137 to oh be exact. Oh, my word. Uh, now, these volunteers are people who may volunteer once a year or mm -hmm. uh, a couple times a year. Mm. But 65% of them volunteer on a regular basis. Okay. You know, it might be a couple times a month, one time a month. Um and if we didn't have those volunteers, we would have to have double the staff that we have now. Mm. Our budget would go probably, you know, you can figure, uh, there's a, a, a formula that they say that you can figure that uh, volunteers are worth something like, I think it was like 18 to $20 an hour or something like that. I'm trying, mm. I don't recall that specific figure. So we had, I think, close to 45,000 volunteer hours last year. Wow. So think about that. Oh Multiply. My. I don't even know what that. Um, I don't <laughs> even know what that figure is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. big. It's big. <laughs> yeah, for sure, we know that. And so we'd have to add that much more money to our budget right. in order to, you know, ma uh, cover those areas. And volunteers just aren't coming in and counting paper clips. Right. They're doing really work. service yeah. work, whether it's serving a meal, mm. uh, cleaning up. Mm. Uh, Leading in a Bible study, mm. uh, preaching in the chapel, leading worship in a chapel, uh, you name it. I mean, our volunteers are all over the place. Mm. Mm. When I think about the volunteer issue, and you just mentioned the survey from IU, so I have to ask the question, it, was there something in the survey that, that identified the reason why people do this? So, for instance, was, were they being driven, let's say, for instance, by Christian principles? Was that in the survey at all? That was not in the survey. I, yeah. I would be interested yeah. in that. Yeah. And 
just for the sake of it, you know, off the top of your head and, and for what you know about all the people at work at Wheeler, uh, what would you generally say uh, to the question, why do people volunteer at Wheeler? Uh, is it driven by a Christian sense of, of uh, loving God and loving their neighbor? Yes and no. Okay. Um, we get people who really love the Lord and they want to serve, and they'll, they'll express that. Mm -hmm. uh, others come down and serve because they have an interest in humanity and just serving humanity. Okay. And we really encourage those people who are believers uh, who really want to uh, get involved with us. We have a class called Wheeler 101. Wow. And it's about a two-and-a-half-hour two class. And it's taught different times during the month. Mm. Uh, and uh, it talks about not only just Wheeler, but what, what are some of the causes of homelessness mm. and what's the landscape like in Indianapolis. Mm. And then it leads into the services of Wheeler. And so we actually have what we call high-impact volunteers. High-impact volunteers mm. are those people who have to go through this course if they want, and they've got to sign our doctoral statement, they okay. have to agree with our, our philosophy and our ministry, and then they can teach Bible studies or lead in chapel. Mm. And because we are very particular about who leads in, sure. in those ministry areas. Now, if you just want to come and serve a meal, not necessary to do okay. that. All right. Well, this, these kinds of things are really powerful uh, for everybody to hear about. And uh, frankly, I just I just brought up my calculator here, so I'm going to give you the number. Uh, yeah, your volunteer hours. You said forty-five thousand. Yes. Forty-five thousand volunteer hours at twenty dollars a pop is nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I think that's the basis for your next essay coming out of Wheeler Mission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, for, quite honestly, I think that's low. Yeah. Our volunteers, okay. I think, are. Worth far more. So if you're a volunteer, <laughs> you're, less, you're, you're, you're worth more than 18 or $20 an hour to us. <laughs> if nothing else today, all of you who are listening who are Wheeler volunteers, we can say this. You are worth a million bucks. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Let's get to that million dollar That's right. level. That's right. We've got to go platinum on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is really powerful and important. And, and for those of you who... Uh, might have missed it with uh, some of our laughter here. Uh, just highlighting again, Wheeler 101, uh, which is a class taught for two and a half hours at Wheeler Mission during different periods of the month. And uh, you can participate in that if you're so inclined uh, about these kinds of things. I think it's really powerful, uh, Rick, as you talk about this, that there are some people who are coming to uh, Wheeler to serve obviously out of Christian uh, commitment and depth of principle and so on, but those who are uh, maybe just coming to serve humanity. When I think about that, I think about going back to what you said about who God is. Um, don't you think that people are just generally driven, whether they agree with it, commit to it, or accede to it or not, that they really are driven by the image of God, whether they mm -hmm. like it or oh, not? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And our hope is when people come in like this and want to serve, you know, they look around and they see the smiles on our staff mm -hmm. faces and how joyful, hopefully, our staff is yes. when they're serving. <laughs> I, don't know, I know it can be tough at times. Sure. You know, I, yeah. I get that. But they'll say, what is this all about? Mm. You know, we, we look for opportunities yeah. to even lead our volunteers mm -hmm. to Christ. Okay, there you go. This is the question that I tell my students all the time whenever we talk about these things. I say, you know, ultimately, when you present a program or you participate 
in the life of a community or whatever it might be, eventually somebody is going to ask you this question. What makes you so different? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's the uniqueness that you were talking about earlier about Wheeler. Yeah. And what's really, really neat is our, uh, the, the men and women who graduate from our addiction recovery programs, a lot of them come into our uh, servant leadership training program Wonderful. where they come in and they just serve and, uh, you know, others. And they have some really strong testimonies. Mm. And they can, you know, a volunteer, we, so often we'll have them share with volunteers that come in. You know, uh, why are you here at Wheeler as an SLT? And uh, usually when a, a, a new group comes in to volunteer, you know, to serve a, a meal, uh, we'll pull them together, get one of our guys in front of them, and just let them share his testimony. Nice. You know, and it's just, it's not us preaching at them. Yes. It's, this is why I'm here. This is how my life changed from a life mm-hmm. of addiction to, to loving God mm. and worshiping God and serving Him, mm. you know. That kind of emphasis is so cool. Well, I th- when you were talking about this, the testimony issue, the story from the Gospels that just immediately popped into my mind was John 9, the story of the man born blind. And being confronted by the Pharisees, his response is, hey, man, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind and now I see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the power of the personalness of testimony. Yes. Talk about that for a moment. The issue of uh, having people who have gone through it, I mean, been in the dregs, in the down and outs of the worst kind, and then uh, being changed internally by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the personalness mm-hmm. of that kind of testimony. Oh, that, that's just as powerful. Um, you know, when we see people, you know, we've got men and women uh, who are drug pushers, you know, uh, and uh, the whole nine yards mm-hmm. and involved in everything that you can think that's imaginable. Mm-hmm. But to see, you know, Christ come into their lives and see them changed, mm-hmm. um, that's what I, I sometimes I sp- I'll speak to corporate groups and I says that's our dividend. Oh, you know we don't we you know when we look at our stock price, which we don't have a stock price, right. <laughs> you know uh, we don't have any dividends. Right. This is our dividend. This yeah. is payday to us, yeah. and uh, especially when we have a graduation uh, and uh, one of our our you know graduates will get up and and talk about how Christ has changed mm. their lives in front of their family mm. being there mm. and the powerful impact that has on the family to know that here's this guy or gal who was so deep in their drug addiction they stole from their you know they'd steal their mother's jewelry to sell it for their fix to see this guy or gal standing up in front of a group you know 100 150 people mm. talking about how Christ has changed his life mm and how it can impact a family. Hmm. And I don't know how many times I've been at a graduation, and I wish I had a, a few bucks for every time I heard this uh, said, is uh, we'll have a mom, because usually at our graduations, we'll let the family get up and talk too. Hmm. And I don't know how many times I've heard a mom say, thank you for getting me my hmm. son back. Uh, they never thought they'd get him back. Yeah. The, so. the depth of emotion that oh, must yeah. come from yeah. those things. Yes. Yeah. The issues uh, that we face are, are not just the issue of mom getting her son back as important as and as wonderful as that is. But you mentioned something a moment ago that I wanted to come back to and you talked about uh, being in front of corporations, being in front of corporate executives. I mean, here are guys making 
guys and gals making six, seven figures a year, mm -hmm. and they're running multi-billion dollar companies, what is their response? Seriously, when they hear about Wheeler Mission, you know, here you're doing this work with these people, do they have any sense of things? What, how do they respond to this kind of presentation? Uh, I haven't seen any checks lately. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you, you know, go. I, you, you kind of wish that they could walk out of the room and write you, yeah. you know, a check, but yeah. they, they don't always do that. Hmm. Uh, I, I think one of the keys to this, though, we, we, we're on to that we've been working on this last year, so we've been very intentional about this. Okay. You know, yeah, I can, I can sit around a table like this and talk to, you know, execs and stuff like that, but what we're working on is getting them to come and serve. Ooh, there you go. There it is. That's where I see the checks. Okay. Yep. Uh, and it's not all about money. Mm -hmm. It's about educating people, allowing right. God to grab their hearts, you know, right. because we know that we're not loved by everybody. Yeah. You know, we're not everybody's charity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, people have their own, you know, uh, uh, charities that they, they really want to use. But what we've been doing is I've got a couple board members who likes to bring people down he'll bring three or four of his friends down mm -hmm. who are runs companies yeah and they come down and they get involved that they, they we put them back we don't just put them in serving a meal mm -hmm. they'll come down like at five o'clock and they'll go out to our intake area one of them will sit down at the computer help intake people okay Others will be will shadow a case manager mm -hmm. as he walks around and deals with it, different situations. Mm -hmm. And these guys, and then afterwards, they've been there for about four hours. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll go out to, to uh, before they go home, they'll go out and they'll debrief. Oh, boy. Wow. And that's powerful. It sure is. Boy, talk about being there for four or five hours. you got to get people there. Okay. And I recommend that to anybody. If you really want to see... You know, a ministry at work, yeah. come down and visit and volunteer. There you go. We talk about this all the time. I've written about these kinds of things. I call this withness, not witness, but withness. witness. You have to be with people yes. in order for this thing to actually transpire and take place. Yes. Yeah. I might rob that. <laughs> well, you know, a tagline for Warp and Move Radio, you know, feel free to do that. <laughs> the, the issue of witness, though, I think about what is it? In, uh, it says about Jesus' disciples in, in Mark 3 that they were with Jesus. Yes. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were in front of John and Peter, and it says that it was obvious that they had been with Jesus. So these kinds of ideas of witness is huge, and yes. this is how lives are transformed when you put them face-to-face -face in a situation where they have to respond. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's a huge it's issue. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. Yeah. And it's really cool to hear this. So I, I wanted to just kind of transition a little bit because here we are in the city of Indianapolis, and we're talking generally about maybe individuals, you know, obviously families who have been uh, changed by this, uh, moms getting their sons back, corporate people being brought in and seeing this thing firsthand, their thinking being changed. Let's talk about the city of Indianapolis just generally. You said earlier that this, that Wheeler Mission is the one place that Indianapolis depends upon, mm -hmm. depends upon for taking care of the homeless, homeless population in Indianapolis. Can you give us just a general overview of, uh, you know, how you're treated, how you're thought about? Uh, do people, uh, 
how do people communicate with you from um, the mayor's office, those kinds of things that would give people a sense of this synthesis uh, that you have of the city of Indianapolis? Well, you know, we've come a long way in that, in that area, Mark. Uh, when I came to, to Wheeler in 1990, the first day I was on the job, first day, I had a social worker come in and said, I don't like you. I don't like Wheeler. Wow. Uh, you know, and kind of like, I wish you weren't here. Okay. Okay, welcome <laughs> to Indianapolis. <you> know? <laughs> so I just kind of shrugged it off and, you know, went on my way. Mm-hmm. Since that time, over these last 27 years, I think that Wheeler has gotten a, a really a great reputation in the community not just among the churches, but among the community leaders. And then this study that was recently released, the Baylor study, uh, really emphasized the fact that uh, if uh, Wheeler was not in the community, you know, uh, Indianapolis would be in a big heap of trouble. Mm. I uh, sat down uh, a couple, three years ago with our former mayor of Indy and told him, you know, uh, expressed to him about, you know, the impact we're having. And uh, I said, you know, if the city uh, did this, I said, you'd be tra- talking, you know, $20, $20 million that you'd mm. have to come up with in the city budget. budget. And he says, no, it'd be probably more like $30 million. Wow. Because government does not do things cheap. Yeah. Yep. And they're not, and their, their outcomes, their results are not nearly what we have. Because mm-hmm. I think even city government understands that uh, it, it takes people's hearts and lives to change. You can put them in a house, you can put a roof over their head, but unless they have some other uh, uh, support services wrapped around them, uh, they're going to relapse right back out into mm. the community again. Mm. And this is the transformation that Jesus affords. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. this is what your focus is, obviously a focus of all of us who claim the name of Jesus uh, that specifically want to serve the Indianapolis community. Uh, this is a huge issue for all of us, I think, one that we shouldn't sidestep, one that we highlighted, of course, in the first hour uh, as we were kind of prepping uh, as as you were coming into the show. So you see where the people in the city literally see the need and know what would happen if you guys weren't there. We hope they do. Okay. Uh, I mean, we've been beating it here, especially since we got the Baylor study. The Baylor study, study yes. Uh, that, because that really... Uh, strengthened our argument okay. and uh, what we've been saying for years. Okay. And is uh, this something now that you put in the hands of folks in city leadership? Yes. Okay. Yes. We have given a copy of this to uh, as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. We have an event coming up on uh, May the 9th uh, uh, that the Sagamore Institute is hosting. Great. Uh, we're br- actually bringing the author in, other, and he's going to make a presentation. Okay. Uh, hopefully to our city leaders and, and others, funders and that. Um, but uh, the study basically stated that uh, in Indianapolis, uh, and there was only 11 cities that they surveyed, so it's just a, a small fraction of America, mm-hmm. really, that um, 77% of, of all the uh, beds in Indianapolis are provided by faith-based organizations. There you go. Uh, of that 77%, Wheeler uh, provides over 51% of wow. those beds. And so we are a major force in the city. Mm. And if we were to shut down, Mm -hmm. you'd you'd see uh, the result. 
uh, which, you know, that's not what we would do. Right. Uh, you know, th this is what God called us to do right. and to minister to these folks, mm -hmm. um, not just to provide shelter. In, you know, anybody can provide shelter and food. I right. mean, I've said anybody can do that. But Wheeler brings that particular aspect of the gospel of Christ to people. Yes. And uh, that's what it's all about to us. Yes. The food and shelter, to me, uh, Mark, is a platform. Mm -hmm. It's a platform that we can get people at their point of need and point them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we run, in the wintertime, we're running six to 700 people a night. Wow. That we have the opportunity mm -hmm. to share the gospel of Christ mm -hmm. with. There you go. This sounds vaguely like uh, Jesus, you know, go into the highways and byways and invite them in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Being biblical, isn't yeah. that something? Yes. How about that? Yeah. So when we're talking about the transformational power of Jesus, that that this thing um, is going to change people from the inside out. And your point uh, is that, you know, anybody can provide food, anybody can provide a bed and so on. Um, your point is that it's the internal change in people's lives that then provide the basis for the external changes they need. Definitely. Definitely. You know, the internal has to change. Government can't do that. That's, I mean, I've heard that over and over and over again from our own government officials. Mm -hmm. Both, I mean, you know, Vice President Mike Pence, you know, he'll, he, he'll, he's a testimony to that That's as right. well. And he'll say that government can't do it. Mm -hmm. But faith-based organizations that truly share the gospel of Christ, mm -hmm. who can lead people to Christ, it's not us. Right. It's Jesus doing it. We can't. We have no power to do anything except point them to to the one who we know can yeah. change their heart. And so, once they've done that, and they can begin to see the power of Christ working in them, mm. it's a miracle. Mm. Uh, because a lot of the people we deal with never been in church ever before. Mm -hmm. So the adversary is is against us not only through the lives of the individuals who have been hijacked and the oppression. Uh, that principalities and powers bring into their lives. But we also face the external uh, problem of the oppression, sometimes the principalities and powers within institutional structures. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 And this is going to be an ongoing work, obviously, for you. This isn't something that you're just going to, you know, pick up your, your marbles and go home here. This is something yeah. you're going to be here for the long haul. Yeah. And, and Wheeler is committed to this community and to, to our world. Of course, Bloomington is now part of our, mm -hmm. our ministry, so we're, we're seeing a, a great impact in, in Bloomington as well. Mm -hmm. But again, it all comes back to leading people to Christ and there seeing them change. There it is. The inside out, folks. The emphasis is always going to be the same. Rick, uh, just before uh, we close out here for today, uh, what are your final words, last words you want to leave with folks that, that you think they need to hear before we take off? Well, I really think that if, uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm the paid gun, so you know I can say this. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if people really want to hear more about the homeless or, or, or learn more about the homeless, I really think we have a wonderful website to help do that. Uh, or you can go to the earlier website we mentioned, uh, agrm.org, and, and uh, on a you know a national level, mm -hmm. in Canadian level too. If, if there's Canadians listening here today okay. too, that's it's yeah. uh, it's branches up into Canada, um, and um, I, you know there's lots of stuff out there that can be learned, uh, as you know, on websites mm -hmm. and that. 
And so our website is, is extremely thorough, uh, you know, uh, and there's links to other organizations as well. Mm. You know, if they're really wanting to get involved local here in Indianapolis, uh, boy, I would say look at our website. Look at even the Wheeler 101. Mm -hmm. You know, get connected there. Right. Uh, and uh, if you want to volunteer, actually, uh, people ask me, well, what do I do? What do, how do I go about volunteering? Look at our website. Look at the website. And there's a, there's a whole volunteer. We just, we just put this online just this year. And where you can go in and you can volunteer, uh, and you don't even have to talk to anybody. You know, no, <laughs> people don't really talk to anybody anymore. You know, you don't want to text or, right. <laughs> or whatever. And so uh, the the system is set up yeah. to you know uh, uh, go go online and, and mm -hmm. register. Yeah, that's great stuff. And so I recommend pushing you to towards the website. And the uh, call letters for the website one more time. Wheelermission.org is our website. 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 Wheelermission.org. And, uh, you know, but AGRM.org is the other Okay, very good. Uh, you've been listening to Rick Alvis this morning. He's the president of Wheeler Mission. This has been a great show talking about the issue of homelessness and the importance of all of the folks that are invested there. And don't forget, if you're listening and you're a volunteer for Wheeler Mission, you are worth a million bucks. <laughs> that is really important, powerful stuff. <laughs> Rick's going to be emphasizing that from here on out. Uh, you have been listening to RadioNext.TV at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. And next week, I have to promo this, we are going to be hearing from folks at Purposeful Design uh, Dan Mays, David Palmer in charge of folks, uh, the, the emphasis down there, doing wonderful good stuff. Uh, Dan and two of his co-workers, uh, uh, Jeremy and Vince, are going to be with us next week. Can't wait for that show. It's going to be fantastic stuff. And then the week after, you will not want to miss. All moms, dads, and grandparents are going to be on board to hear the two-hour roundtable with the Cominius Institute students down at IUPUI. We'll have four, five, six, seven of them around the table and uh, sharing their stories from this last year at IUPUI. Been glad to be with you this morning. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We'll see you next week. <laughs>